Hey, wonderfuls, welcome to episode 379 of the JV Club with my wonderful guest, Harvey Guillen. I am such a fan of his. We had such a good time working together on his special episode of Voyage to the Stars. That is my improvised space comedy podcast now in its third season, question mark? Um, You can check that out anywhere you get your podcasts. But uh, Harvey was so, so, so funny uh, when we did that show together. That was my first time meeting him and I've been really looking forward to podcasting him since. So please enjoy this episode with him. I will also say that according to my beloved Chris Royce, who runs the jvclub.org, as well as the JV Club Twitter, uh, that Harvey is technically like my 397th guest since some of my episodes have had multiple guests. That's pretty exciting. And I feel like it times out really nicely with the other thing you may know about if you are a subscriber already to Max Fun, which is that we we are starting the Max Fun Drive next week, and it's going to be a little different than ma- uh, past Max Fun Drives. Um, one of the things that we are really focusing on is making sure that you guys feel appreciated, and we certainly understand that times are tough right now. But at the same time, it's a listener-supported network, so I'm excited to raise money for those wonderful folks, as well as, uh, you know, anything that I get on my end. I think I said this before, but I continue to donate the entirety of that to uh, Black Lives Matters friendly organizations, as well as queer friendly organizations. So it's my honor to do that. Um, What else do I want to tell you? Uh, And I'm going to have some really fun bonus content and some fun gift stuff and like ways to interact with you. So I'm excited to talk more about that next week. But in the meantime, enjoy this episode and I send you all my very best as we continue to march through this very weird year. You know what, when, when I, even just if I put in two minutes worth of brain work on the technology of recording, I feel like my job is done. So I guess we can just get off the phone. I know. Phone? I was like, do I, we did. Do, I, do I work for NASA now? I think we I did. work for NASA. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wait, do you? Oh my God. Wait, do you? Did you get, a, did you get an email? No, no I don't. Okay. <laughs> no. All right. Well, listen. I do I just, what if my paranoia my paranoia wasn't that the government was listening it was that nasa was always listening to me like at any moment nasa could be listening to me they could recruit me was listening (laughs) i wish like nasa was listening because then it's like we need that guy as opposed to the government just like spying and (laughs) yeah how do we how do we shut him down rather get on this rocket ship with us (laughs) um we need entertainment bring him on exactly board. <laughs> exactly oh my god would you wait now seriously though would you do you feel like you're the kind of person who would because i feel like i know friends who kind of do what i do yet there's some part of their brain that ma- convinces them that they could go into space whereas i'm like oh no 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 like i would i couldn't handle that i think i could i i went to i went to i went to the nasa station uh when I was in high school and it looked really cool and it was like it was like a theme park it was like oh my gosh this looks so cool and like the idea of going outer space and like gravity and like I mean I've always had this like dream of flying so it's like that the closest thing you get you know zero gravity so I was like oh that could potentially happen if I became an astronaut so there was a brief moment where I thought maybe I should go and then I was like no I get I get car sick really easily (laughs) (laughs) and I would never make it through the training I think it was my my dream was like broken when it was they showed us like the training video and like they're like you have to spin for like 30 seconds and I was like nope (laughs) I was like I don't even get on like the zipper at the fair you know <laughs> I, I, don't don't even, I don't even like the. i don't even get on the teacups at disneyland because even the teacups i'm like <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, yeah me too <laughs> yeah but that wasn't that wasn't true for me when i was younger and then at some point like i feel like i hit 20 and as soon as the one was gone from the front of my age i was like i suddenly couldn't handle anything and everything made me car sick and or made me feel yeah like super dizzy or weird but when I was younger 
I definitely didn't have that same problem. And I'm sure it's only gotten worse. Like I haven't even bothered testing that out in so many years that I can't even imagine what would happen if I went on the teacups. I like, I I mean, I have my friends all love theme parks and stuff. So I was like always excited about going to theme parks. But like, I like like Disneyland where like, it's like, like cool. And like, you know, it's like a fairy tale and like that kind of theme park. My friends were like, let's go Six Flags. And I was like, okay. And like the Six Flags rides were always just like tossing, like it's like the real. Co- I get, I get an anxiety just thinking of like, what if something goes wrong? You know, like what if like oh, the, yeah. the seatbelts don't like close? What if the, like it's like the anxiety of what ifs kind of overtake. Oh. But then I do the ride, and then afterwards I'm like, woohoo! And like I love it. It's funny because like I, if I'm in, like if I'm doing a character or something, and the character is like totally adventurous, you know, uh, kind of like badass and I'm like oh cool like it's like they don't mind it I don't mind it you know what it's funny because from the outside that is sort of what I like I've been in comedy for so long that I think I kind of let go of some of my you know sort of thespian theater major uh personality that would have not laughed at the idea of like well listen if my character's into it I guess I'll be okay um I feel like when you're in comedy that's the kind of thing that you know what I mean like you're taught to be very snarky about stuff and you're like oh I could never consider like getting it so into a character that I could handle that stuff and then I did like a comedy action horror thing in Atlanta and everything you just said is true like for sure I was doing things for that character that Janet 100% would never have agreed to like it's a real thing it's a weird real thing it's like when people put on masks and they're like suddenly I felt so free yeah yeah people might think we're being like just oh well you're just being an actor and pretension it's like no actually like it's 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 their like personality so they like it like and then when you stop you're like well how did I get up here Uh, totally (laughs) like that's what I feel like yeah (laughs) don't ever call cut please don't call cut Uh, please don't contact please so when you went to nasa in high school was that like a long trip where did you where were you in high school it was a choral competition and uh and it was part of like the deal like we went there and we went to like um you know like the beach and like it was like part of like a week-long like choral competition we went to universal uh so it was part of like a field trip and then it's like you get to go to the nasa station like it's like you know it's for kids like we, we really don't go into like the nasa like where everything's being done it's like this is a museum you can go up to here we'll show you what we do and then go home like they're not right, you know we right. weren't like vip right. walking into the rockets and be like wow thank you so much for letting me get into this you know <laughs> <laughs> it was uh it was more like here well you can be an astronaut too and right. it's like a, a pre-recording like welcome to nasa you know was it the one in texas or was it the one in florida no no it was in florida we it was like and it was my first time out of the state and I was in high school and I'd never been out of the state um, aside from like going to like Vegas when I was in junior high to live. And that wasn't even fun because I couldn't do anything in Vegas and it was a desert. So I didn't have the best time. So my, right. my, my idea of like traveling was like, oh, like I was like travel. And then when I got there, I was like, wow, Florida. <laughs> I was really <laughs> impressed just by the basic like change of weather and location. And I was just like, wow. And it's like, the water's warm here. And it's like, that's because we're closer to the, you know, there's always yeah. like, uh, wow, this happening. And then looking back, I mean, nothing against Florida, but I was like, oh, my God, I was like so simply, you know, amused. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's their they're betting on that. Like, that's why there are so many amusement parks and so many different things to do there. And sorry, did you say you were from you're from California? Yeah, I was born and raised here. And it was oh, okay. uh, our choir was competing in the national choral gotcha. competition. And we were going to go and be like, we're going to it was like glee. Like, we're just like literally like glee before glee. And I was just like, we're going to go. We're going to win. And, you know, you think you're good because you think that you've practiced enough and you rehearsed enough, but you don't have anything to compare it to except you have like local right. competitions with like nearby high schools. And so you really do like getting your head of like, you know, th- like these delusions of grandeur, you know? And so like yeah. you go and like, Oh my God, we're so going to win. And then it was like the first round and we get there and we just see there's kids who have been doing choral competitions since they were four. And we uh-huh. just started four months ago. And so then I was like, Oh no, Oh no, no, no. And they were like, and we dance and sing and we're singing and we're better than you. <laughs> You're like, and I'll never forget the rest of the trip was wonderful. We got to go to. And I just, 
they hadn't announced the the like even like the the next round like they hadn't announced it and we just remember like us hauling all like our tuxedos and like our show dresses and our garment bags walking back to the bus and just knowing that there was no need to go back <laughs> like, there, was just, like, there was just no need for it like we were just oh, walking no. back and we were like should we should we were like should we just go back to the NASA station <laughs> oh god that's amazing but it's true, you're right. Like you don't know. No, we stay, we stick around. But it's it also yeah. they were announcing like we were at Universal, and so like they were announcing uh... like the winners at Universal. We had like the whole theme park to like kind of play around, and we kind of distract ourselves, you know. And that that was good. the point of having it there to like let like kids know that it's okay if you come and you participate and you don't win. Like you're still at, you're still at Universal. You still have a good time, and we did. Like, it was like you know great memories with friends and like have you know being somewhere new the grand luxurious world of florida has to offer (laughs) (laughs) and travel and so i was uh, i was in i was just like we might have not won but i think we all won guys because we got to come to florida right everybody and then you all simultaneously jumped into the air with your feet off the ground with your and fist pump frame. high and then you froze yeah, yeah you froze frame froze frame that feels weird they roll the credits and it's yeah. just playing to the song this will be an everlasting love this will be <laughs> can i tell you something though i why i was in my 20s when i went to florida for the first time and i had been like on the you know north side of the east coast and I, I was I thought I was going to be a total snob about Florida too because you know the older you get the more stories you hear of like ugh Florida and I did the same thing like I don't know if it's just that the child in me wants to find magic wherever I go but I really did I was like oh the air feels so different like it feels so tropical and like you know we went out on like it's really funny like you're right about that like it's like you you can go anywhere and like really find be be optimistic like the glass is full always you know yeah I mean Florida has tons of things to offer obviously they do but I yeah, it was so weird. Like it was, I just recently went again for a friend's wedding and I hadn't been there in years. And I was just like, oh yeah, Florida, I haven't been there in a while. And you know what? I had a great time. Like looking back, yeah. everyone's like, oh, I don't know, Florida. And it was my friend's uh, wedding, Sarah French. And she was like, I'm getting married. And I was like, oh, cool. Like in a major city, like Orlando. I was like, no, it's like Howie in the Hills. And I was like, Howie in the Hills? What's that? He's like, that's the city. And I was like, where? I'm assuming in the hills somewhere. Is Howie hiding? Is he lost? Is Howie Mandel in the hills? And he established a city. And now we're going to his estate in the hills. Listen, if it could happen in any state, it would be Florida. It definitely would be Florida. If Howie Mandel could establish a community. There were so many questions. I was like, Howie, is there hills? Because I thought like Florida was pretty like, you know, flat and swampy. Like yeah. I was like, is there hills in Florida? He's like, it's Wait, Howie in the hills. There was no hills. It was okay. flat. It was flat. It was just the name of the area. It was called Howie in the Hills. Uh, but, you know, we, the wedding was beautiful. It was by this giant lake and it had these giant Spanish moss trees just, you know, dangling and looked beautiful as the sunset. So I was like, see, like, you know, it's like every time I come to Florida, I'm like, I don't know. And then I just have a great time. So I was like, OK, I know. <laughs> Florida, you I won me over. I think maybe it's people saying like I like don't go to school in Florida or don't grow up in Florida like if you can you know it's a great place to visit but you don't necessarily want to like come from a small town in Florida if you're like a creative right. slash you know well, I don't, you would want to go to school in Florida if you were just going to party like you know if you're just going to the yeah, beach you and partying would. then yeah you probably wouldn't yeah. want to go go to school in yeah. Florida I mean there's different schools around the nation or around the world they're just, you know, titled party school. Like they party literally, schools. that's they, they're known for that. That's what they pride themselves. And I'm sure the, the faculty knows that too. And they're like, whatever, you know, I'm sure schools around the world, like there's like Santa Barbara, which is like known for to be a party school, you know, and it's like surfers. Is, oh, I was going like, to ask you, so I was going to say, I know there. yeah, I knew there was one, at least one in Southern California. ASU, I went, yeah. I'm from oh, Tucson, Arizona, and ASU, everyone at U of A made, and I didn't even go to U of A, but everyone in the city of Tucson made fun of ASU. Like, oh, don't go there if you want to learn anything. <laughs> don't bother if you're going for academia. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, that's so funny because I always find it interesting to know college, like, you know, what they're known for. I was shooting this film years ago in Chico in upstate California. Oh, total party school. Total party school. Yeah. And there was a party school. And someone told me, like, Chico, man. I was like, yeah, like the highest STD school. I was like, what? 
You're like what? STD, like they're student like, yeah. technological. They're like, no, you're thinking, no, you're overthinking no, it. Definitely no. STD, like, STD, STD. And then I was like, what? It's like, yeah, it has the highest rated STDs for a school campus oh, per God. square feet or something like that. And I was like, that's disgusting. And I was like, what? And then it was like going down this rabbit hole. And I was like, why are these kids just festering? And like, how did, they, how did they get here? And I was like, you know. I was just like, how how did we get here? And I was going to be a detective while I was filming the movie and find out, like, why did they get that time? I was like, oh, it's because there's nothing to do there. And so everyone's just having sex with each other and giving each other STDs. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> Which is terrible. And I was like, oh, well, then, see, that was, that should be in the application. It should be like, warning, may have, <laughs> may encounter. Yeah. Meanwhile, you're like, why is, and so why is the coronavirus spreading so much in certain communities? Right. I don't understand. Uh, yeah, but that, yeah. Was, uh, that was interesting. Okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. We are the host of My Brother, My Brother, Me, and now, nearly 10 years into our podcast, the secret can be revealed. All the clues are in place, and the world's greatest treasure hunt can now begin. Embedded in each episode of My Brother, My Brother, and Me is a micro-clue that will lead you to 14 precious gemstones all around this big, beautiful blue world of ours. So start coming through the episodes. Uh, let's say starting at episode 101 on. Yeah, the early episodes are pretty problematic, so there's no clues in those episodes no no not at all the better ones the good ones clues ahoy listen to every episode repeatedly in sequence laugh if you must but mainly get all the great clues my brother my brother me it's an advice show kind of but a treasure hunt mainly anywhere you find podcasts or treasure maps my brother my brother me the hunt is on Were you more like choral, musical theater, kind of singing uh, high school kid? Or were you dabbling in that, but then a bunch of other stuff too? Were you doing like other clubs or theater or anything like that? I was doing musical theater uh, in school. Uh, and I loved just the combination of choir, like singing, dancing and acting all together. Uh, and I was doing it just for school. Um, I actually had a horrible drama teacher in high school that looking back and I talked to other students we had a horrible experience it was just like he was like he was gaslighting us like all the time he would say <gasps> things that were like looking back we're like whoa this teacher should not be teaching kids and I think he's not whoa. thank heavens but like uh yeah it was a horrible experience because like I remember you know at that age you're like you're dealing with a lot of things like your body sexuality everything and he would like be because he wasn't he was in one movie so he had an IMDb credit he was in Karate Kid 2, but he oh, was no. Flower Boy number 3, and oh, his no. scene got edited out, but he had an IMDb <laughs> credit, and we were like, whoa, he has a credit in IMDb? No. <laughs> that international movie database, and he came to the school like brand new with like sunglasses and driving a pickup truck, and he was like Hollywood, oh, like he was like the Hollywood yeah. teacher, like he was in films, and we and we just listened to every word he said, like he would be like, you know, he would make comments like he's, uh, to the girls, like he'd be like, "You're gonna, uh, you're gonna lose weight, right?" And it was like, "Oh my god, what? oh my and god!" Like, well, Hollywood, and it was like, and we were like, "What?" Yeah, I'll never forget. His name was Patrick Posada, and that was like, I don't, I think that's his real name, not even his stage name. But he was so mean. And I think one time we were doing a play, and I came on to set, and like he's like, "Okay, you're gonna be on that thing. It's gonna revolve around blah blah." We're doing a flea in her ear as a play. And like mm -hmm. he said, you're going to get on that. It's going to revolve. And I looked at it and I was like, that looks unstable. Like I was like, well, well, we tested it out. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah. I mean, we put like the weight of three baby elephants on it. And I was like, what? why would you say it like that? <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. And then of course I looked so, it looked so like dodgy and like bad and like poorly made. It didn't look like it could hold like a, a packet of like, you know, Skittles. And I was like, oh, this God. looks weird. And I like, stepped on it. And of course it like breaks. And he's like, oh, my God, I don't understand. I don't understand. We, we put the weight of three baby elephants on it. Where was this? What city was this in? This was in St. Gabriel, St. Gabriel High School. And the stories okay. would go on. Like, we had friends who were, like, traumatized, like, especially young girls. And, like, the way he would talk about their body and was like, ooh, well, you're going to have to lose weight. I mean, this is Hollywood. They're not going to let you in. Like, you oh know, are you going to be the fat friend? And it was like like conversations that you should not be having with a you know a kid, but yeah. uh, no one did anything. You know, no one really kind of like 
even if there was complaints, he was like protected and like it was weird. But like I was looking back at it the day and I was like, oh my god, that could have really derailed my like even aspirations of going into acting because. And I know he he definitely tormented other kids that probably were you know their dreams were probably destroyed because of the words that he said. But I was like that people like that should not be teaching children <laughs> like should not be teaching no kidding kids. i mean that yeah well and it sounds like the stuff that you're saying i mean i obviously like i could be wrong and there could have been more even that you weren't privy to but that that's the kind of stuff too that it it doesn't necessarily read as like as black and white as something that you as a young person would know okay i've got to go say something to someone about this like it's much more kind of to your point gaslighty right. like it's much more it's right. subtle enough that you could just kind of go oh well I'm not going to be that person who you know reads into something or gets uncomfortable and then goes and says something because it's not like they touched me inappropriately or that's not the you know and even that is hard for young people I think with with yeah with role models or like you know even if it's a teacher you don't like it's still like ugh, do I do something what do I do yeah it was a hard place to be because we wanted a drama teacher we were uh, hungry for it and then so it was like a well, it comes with the territory. You know, it was like, well, it's just sure. tough love. It's or Hollywood. We, I think convinced ourselves. <laughs> it's Hollywood. He was in Karate Kid too, and the scene got deleted, guys. <laughs> he's been on a Hollywood set. He knows oh, what he's God. talking about. He must have been so excited to get to a place where he was like, you know, where he was like, I'm just far enough away from Hollywood that people... Like, they know what IMDb is, yet they also think it's cool and a big deal that I have only one credit. Like, what a specific niche to be looking for. Because it might, you know, in in my school, they would be like, what's IMDb? Like, it wouldn't, you know what I mean? It wouldn't carry that. It wouldn't, you have to, like, know just enough to be impressed versus just being like, oh, I don't, that does, you know, I don't even know what that is. But it's funny. Right. I think he, he banked on that, that we were, like, so impressed with that. And then towards the end of my senior year, I was like, I'm not doing this. Like, it was like. I came into my own and I was like, no, I'm going to like totally, you know, go on my own path. And he, he was still like, you know, very much, I think he got eventually got fired because he did do something inappropriate with an underage girl. So I think eventually the, oh, he did it's probably get only fired, a matter of time. I think, but this is like, it was only a matter of time, but it was also like, ah, oh, could have we like, you know, what do kids do? Like, it's not our fault. Like, we don't know what this person is doing verbally and like, you know, and how he's treating us and he's getting in our heads. Like until you get yeah. older and you realize, wait a minute, that wasn't right. That guy was, you know, to- totally fucking with our mind. Um, but I'm glad to, you know, report that it was like I didn't let it stop me, and I was like, I'm still gonna do it. I'm gonna do musical theater. Well, actually, I was gonna, uh, I was gonna be a Shakespearean actor because I got a, um, uh, a scholarship to go to Southern Utah University, and I just got there and tested it out, and I just didn't love it. I just realized that I wasn't in love with being a Shakespearean actor. I was like, I don't want to do this, and it was beautiful, and the setting was beautiful, but I felt very out of place. Is that in St. George or near St. George? Uh, Cedar City. Oh, Cedar City. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I've I've yeah. driven and, through and, and seen stuff there. Yeah, yeah, because it's close to Zion, I think. Right? Isn't it close to like? Mm-hmm. Well, and I also have my mom's side of the family has a lot of Mormons, so um, even just like going okay. to visit family <laughs> or yeah, or or and being from Arizona, like, yeah. you, I ended up in Utah plenty. Um, and I I had the same. You know, I went and saw a show there, and there was definitely a point in high school where I was like. Hmm, maybe because like I was good enough I was good enough at shape like I knew kind of like what we were talking about with being a big fish in a little pond in floor and you know at the at the various coral competition levels where I I felt like I knew enough to know that I was sort of on the best side or the better side of doing Shakespeare as a high school student in a public high school in Tucson Arizona I was like I guess I'm pretty good at Shakespeare (laughs) you know I was like and then I'm sure I would have gotten there and just would have been completely humiliated (laughs) but also but you actually went and were good it just wasn't right for you so you're absolutely right like it makes me think like you know you think on your side like oh my gosh I guess I am pretty good at this but then I was like wait were they just letting anyone in (laughs) like they were just like please come we just need seat fillers nobody wants to be a Shakespearean actor you want to do this okay come over we'll give you a scholarship and I was like wow I guess I'm really good but they were just like we need to give this money away or the government will take it away from us I'm glad I did go for a little, like for a second. And then I left and came back and I did musical theater, a program out here um, under Ben Bollinger, who was this big um, opera singer in the 60s. 
and he had this really like cool program that I wanted to get into the drama class uh, under Sherry Brown, who's an amazing uh, head of department there. And I couldn't get in unless I was a citrus singer, which is the choir. And I was like, oh, I've been there, done that. I went to Florida, baby. <laughs> I competed <laughs> in Florida. See this NASA patch? <laughs> See this NASA patch that says no reentry? That's right. <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> and so I literally went to take one acting class because I wanted to work on the acting portion of everything. And I was like, I'm just going to work on my acting this semester and that's it. And they're like, well, you can't take that class unless you're a citrus singer. And I was like, fine, I'll do that. They're like, no, we already had auditions. And I'm like, ooh, how bougie, you already had auditions. No and I was like, well, I'd like to talk to the head of the department. And I did. And he's like, well, we already have the guys that we need, but let me hear you sing. And he played some chords. And he's like, all right, you can start tomorrow. And to my surprise, I thought it was going to be one choir class. But, you know, an average student in college takes anywhere between like 23 to 30 units a semester. Yeah. Uh, this class or this yeah. program made you take 56 units a semester whoa which means you had class from 7 a.m to 10 p.m every day vocal coach you had uh musical theater you had tap ballet you had musical theater history you had scene study you had one-on-one like you're you were in a conservatory and i didn't know that going into it i was like wait what's going on i thought i was taking the acting class like you do you take acting class tuesdays and thursdays between 2 and 5 p.m and between those you take these 80 classes and I was like, whoa. And then I went with it. I don't know why I went with it. But I was like, you know what? It's like training. It's like training and it's all inclusive. Hello, it's like a resort. Am I at Sandals? Like, I feel like <laughs> it's all inclusive. <laughs> like, I was like, I'm down. And so I did it. I did the program. And I'm really glad I did because if anything, it taught me discipline. Like, you have to, I was mm. still living at home for the first semester. Mm. I have to, like, commute every day, like, an hour and wake up, like, at 4 in the morning just to get to whoa. the first 7 a.m. class of TAP. And it taught me discipline. Like, and the 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 whole moral for them was like, if you're early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. And if you're late, you're fired. Yeah. And they had that discipline throughout the whole thing because if I was running down the hall and it was right at the clock at seven a.m., it just they close the door and they look at you through the window. They're like, sorry, you know, you're supposed to be here early. And it's like, but I'm here. It's seven a.m. I'm here. Like you should yeah. have been inside already warming up. Wow. And I was like, oh my God. So that's those the military of conservatories. It was. And looking back, I'm so grateful for it because I'll tell you what, like when I have an audition or something, I make it to get there early. I never, you know, I don't like rely on like, I'll land around that time. It's like, no, I rather land 20 minutes early because I have to find parking or I have to do something like it's, it was in my mind. Like, it's like, that's the way I, I went forward with like auditions and, and meetings and whatnot. So it really, it really stuck with me. No, that's totally great. I mean, I think that does, because you do see the sort of, I mean, it's, it's easy to fall into the opposite habit in like the weird business of show business, which isn't to say that there aren't set this where that's totally, you know, unacceptable, but there's also sort of like, I feel like there's a weird thing where and and maybe I'm I'm sure I'm I'm overgeneralizing but you know there's the there's the thing of like like everyone is expected to be very professional and on time and on top of their game uh, but then actors they like they they think that actors are too stupid or too egotistical to get there on time but instead of like firing you there's a weird wiggle room about that where it's like it's almost like being you know you feel like you're like in in the wrong environment you're treated like a child in the right environment you're a professional and everyone's doing their job and you're a family and like everyone but there's sometimes there's don't you ever feel like there's a sense of like well she's not here but I mean she's an actor so I'm sure she'll roll in at some point like don't empower that do you know what I mean don't enable that behavior right and then it gets even worse like you know if someone's like bad behavior on set doesn't get like checked at the door it escalates as we can see like by just reading every tabloid and uh recent events of like people on sets who who you know you had a feeling they might be that personality and they might be but no one ever checked them and it comes down to like you know the show creators or like no one ever like just said hey cut the crap like we're not doing that that is not allowed here yada yada and then it grows and then it festers and then like a decade later later people are like remember when you did that and it's like yep i remember when they did that i remember when it's like whoa and it's like but this the show ran for so long why didn't anyone do anything and it was like yep. well because they were arguably the star of the show and they didn't want to upset them or they were in cahoots with 
you know, with whoever uh, is in yeah. charge and no one said anything. And it was like, well, then there's there. There it is. You know, it's like no one said like, hey, don't be late. OK. They were like, oh, they're just late today. And then tomorrow they're like, yeah. oh, they're just throwing makeup at the makeup person. Oh, they're just <laughs> throwing a tantrum. Oh, they're just oh, they're just demanding white M&Ms in their trailer or they won't leave. Oh, you know, and it's like, well, how many O's can you add to this song? Because it's all chorus. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Look, she didn't know what else to do with that bag of kittens. Okay, there's no river nearby, but she did need to drown those kittens. So she did them in the toilet. Guys, what are you going to do? You know what I mean? It's, a, it's just a tough in day. In some cultures, that's seen as a sign of respect. So think about that that's angle. Right. That's right. That's right. Um, and when and so the, we met because you did an episode of my of my podcast that I'm on with uh, some dear buddies, uh, Voyage to the Stars, and you were such a great improviser and you're so freaking funny. It's one of my favorite episodes. Did where did improv come into it? Did you take improv as part of the conservatory or have you never taken it and you're just that um, funny, which is also totally possible? <laughs> I first of all, I had a blast doing that, and that was the first time I ever done like a live improv kind of show like that. Aside from doing like a stage, you know, like something fun um on set you know like where it's just like where you go to ucb or like second city like where they do you know on the spot in front of an audience so that was the first time yeah. i did that where it was recorded and it was so fun and it was like and all of you guys are like so fucking amazing so it was like it felt like i was just trying to like you know keep up with you guys because you guys were so amazing and i was just like oh let's do mm-hmm. it like and it's nice when you go play volleyball with somebody and everyone knows how to pass the ball, you know, and how to play the yeah. game. And everyone's like, hey, this is a good game. So that's always nice, you know, and that's not always the case sometimes. You know, if you go do a stage show or something, because you might be with strangers that you don't have a chemistry with and it just didn't work out, you know, and you're like, oh, yeah. that was a flop. Like it didn't work out. But For not sure. in this case. And, and I didn't take improv in college um, and I took it on my own. It was the only class that wasn't provided by the conservatory, which looking back, now it's under a new direction, which is a great uh, professor, Doug Austin. He uh, is changing the rules and stuff. And I think they do have improv now, but like it, they didn't when I was there. And I kept saying, we should have improv, we should have improv. And the old professor was like, oh, I don't think we need that. So I took improv um, in audition for um, the Groundlings and then got in. And I was like, oh, yes. But that was going to be a commute every day from like, you know, Covina um, all the way to, you know, West Covina to like uh, all the way to like Hollywood. And I was like, oh, yeah. man, that's going to be twice a week. And I was like, I'll do it. And then my professor literally was like, I don't think you should do it because, you know, you're going to get home sick, you're going to get tired and you're going to get sick and you're going to miss rehearsals. And it, 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 he was just showing me like the trajectory of like what a bad idea this was um, right. in anticipation. And I was like, well, I mean, but it's also good. He's like, well, why do you need that for? Like, no one, no one does improv. And I was just like, okay. And I was like, he's right. And so I didn't take improv while I was in college because he made me feel like it was not necessary. No one was going to, and then, you know, right after I was done with the program, I still took it on my own. I was like, I love improv. I love being on the spot. I love being like creating a character. People can't tell if I'm joking or not when I start a story. And that's the best compliment you could ever get when it's like, I can't tell if you're joking or not. And it's like, good, you know, because that it should be so grounded that you don't even know that this person is not, you know, this is a made up character scenario story. Like that's the best. And so I continue to, you know, do it on my own afterwards, which I'm glad I did because it was right around the time where every casting office in Hollywood was putting that note in must be great improv because it was that wave that happened you know what I'm talking about that wave where like a lot of movies were like being made that they were so good and people were like whoa that script must have been amazing it's like well the script was good but then the actors improvised a lot of stuff and then they brought it to another level so there was so many moves movies being made and and shows where the the final product was um an evolution and uh, a formula of improv and scripted that yeah. people were like, this is it. This is the new, because you think of acting through like the decades, like when you look at a show from like the 1970s and the style of acting that was on TV and it's like, well, you're really something, Jimmy, you know that you're really something. You know, it's like the t- like the way that you that you set up like the line and like that was accepted, you know. And that's when you went to an audition. That's what the casting director was looking for. They were like, okay, say this line now. Go action. You're really something, but no, 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 no. Say it more like you know, 1970. It's like now in the moment. And it's like, oh, yeah. you're really something. You know that, Billy? You're really something. And it's like, yep, we we found her. We found her. She's the one. But I feel like as as time went by with all the auditions I was booking more and more when I would go in and improvise like I would go and like do a show basically for like the cast director the you know or the producer director whoever's in the room but I've made like uh the last couple of 
you know, bookings basically on improvising. Like I went in to do a, a role for the internship years ago that wasn't right for me. Like I knew it wasn't the right role, but I went in there and just like improvised a little bit at the end. And, you know, uh, Sean Levy, the director um, and producer of it was cracking on the floor. And then like, you know, a couple of weeks later, I was shooting in New Orleans, another project, and they gave me a call and they said, Sean wrote a part for you. So he wrote oh, the part in the awesome. internship for me. And then, uh, yeah, and it was just because of that quick little improv that I did in the room that he was rolling on the floor. And so basically, I booked a lot of stuff on, on using the actual idea of going into the room to audition with a scripted version, but then doing it and then adding that improv always, because that's what makes it organic. And people want to see these characters come to life and be real. Yeah. And I think you're, to, you, to your point to what you just said, that I think some people misunderstand the improv side and they like they just like throw the script away and then they go in like it's a delicate yeah. balance right you don't want to you don't want to go yeah. in and basically not do anything right because because right. You're, you know you're you like wanna... oh listen listen i could play and people are like could i just yeah could i just you... hear the words once could i yeah. just hear the actual words once no you, you don't want to go in there and be like, hey, your script sucks. Let me take a stab at it. <laughs> but there, were, there was like in part of yeah. the kind of the, the, the like um, this the sort of arc of, of exactly what you're talking about with improv. Now, I, I to your point, I feel like now when I see, you know, the direction of like improv, you know, great improv chops a must or whatever. I'm less dubious because I do feel like now there is a good balance of like really good writing and then the ability to play off of the good writing and then, you know, kind of get they they know they have a good script either way, but hopefully it will be um, improved upon by by just fun, spontaneous improv and the chemistry of the actors. But I also feel like within that um, timeline that you're talking about, there's also that period where like no one was even bothering writing anything good because they just they were like improv's what's hot right now. And so you would see yeah. <laughs> improv chops a must and you would be like, oh, no. And you'd be and then you would read the scenes that they wanted you to read and you go, yeah, I see why improv is a must because these are terrible. <laughs> They're all like that's yeah. the translation is like, please fix this for us and make it funny, <laughs> like which is not that's terrible. Yeah, <laughs> there'd be like scripts that I remember like years ago going in and it was like this is terrible like this is really bad like and then they would say feel free to improv because then you go in and the the, the project actually gets made and you're like how did this get and it's like because they picked you know four characters who were great at improv and you put them together in a room and just throw them like a subject yeah. and they're like there we go that's what i meant that's what i meant to write that's what i meant <laughs> exactly yeah 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 yeah. that's i did that i did that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, that's, yeah that, that, that's that's what that was that was in my that was, that was in my head and i didn't put it down that's that's it oh, God. i remember doing this horrible oh. film that never came out thank god it never came out it was like a horrible horrible idea and it was just like you know there's those times as an actor you're like i gotta pay the bills you know and you're like yep. i just have to take this gig because i gotta pay them bills and i was just like okay i'm gonna do it and but i went in there and i was like i'm not gonna lower my standards i'm still gonna i give every project whatever the budget is for the film if it's like multi-million dollar budget or if it's like a 99 seater house you know theater yeah i always commit to the to the project that i'm doing because at the end of the day it's my work that's going to be judged and it's going to be like, yeah. oh, I saw him at a 99 seater and he was amazing. Oh, I saw him yeah. at a multi-million dollar budget film and he was amazing. Like, it's like I always that all I have to be in charge of is my own self. And if I can Absolutely. do that, even whatever project, you know, uh, comes my way, it's like it's on me. And so, like, I was like, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to still make this. And we turned it around like we did that script and they were like so excited about it. And they're like, oh, my God, this is way better than what we thought. And I was like, that's because you didn't write anything. Like you literally <laughs> said, you know, these four guys sit around and they shoot the shit. <laughs> it's like right. that's literally what you just said. And you're like, OK, cool. Thank God that halfway through production, you know, they were like, oh, we 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 got to do pickup dates, but they ran out of funding. And there was like this whole thing, and and then I was like, well, you know, my contract is player play, so I took the pace, even if we don't play. And then I was like, well, thank God, because it was like we were working extra hard to make that project work, and it was working. I have to say, it was working. But then sometimes yeah. the universe is like, nah, we're not we're not gonna put this out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. When you were uh, when you were in high school with your weird, uh, 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 uncomfortable uh, drama teacher, um, did you have a sense like because you were in in Southern California, like did it feel attainable in a way that, you know, that was that did kind of feel realistic, even though, you know, 
you guys were at the time maybe impressed by the the Karate Kid two appearance. Did was there still a sense of like, <laughs> hey, you know, we're not that far from Hollywood, and like it can happen, and it, you know, it happens for people, and that's a real that feels real. Did it feel real to you in that way, where you were like, yes, I can do this? Yeah, you know what? It's so weird because I grew up in LA, and I grew up, you know, uh, in San Gabriel, which is like ten minutes out of downtown. And I, I knew that we were close to where it all happens. I knew that people, you know, tons and thousands and millions of people have come through L.A. to make their dreams come true. And I'm here. I'm like a 10 minute drive away from the center of it. And weirdly enough, I, I growing up had seen what like, you know, the gossip of like what Hollywood types are like and what they are. You know, they're not real um, thespians, you know, like they're like they're they're pretty people who go in front of the camera and they, that's what they do. And like they just and once their looks are done, their careers done. So I was like, mm, I wouldn't rely on, my, on the core of my talent. And so for me, I always dreamed about going to Broadway. Got so it. even though I grew yep. up in L.A., my dream was to move to New York. Like I really wanted to move to New York. And I was like, oh, God, I'm going to be on Broadway. I want to be on Broadway. So I had this like again delusions of grandeur like I was like this is the plan I'm gonna go to college I'm gonna get my degree and go straight to Broadway and then by fall I'll be on stage you know in the, in the great white way and it was like that is not what happened um I went to school I got trained and then while I was um trying to I also went to AMDA for like a brief second because I was like well it's like a like so many like Broadway stars went there and I was like thinking that's what made them a star. But it's not. Your training can be done in any location that has a good program. And at the end of the day, it's like a brand. Just because you're not wearing the Nike hoodie when you go to the gym doesn't mean that you're not working just as hard. That's well said. You know? And it's just because you're not wearing those brands doesn't mean that your background is not as good as the other guy who is wearing, you know, the new Adidas on the treadmill. You're you're still on the same treadmill wearing like, you know, your Payless shoes or whatever. It doesn't matter. I worked at Payless, by the way, when I was in high school. Um, I was about to ask I, you. I was I, like, I, well, that's such a specific <laughs> reference. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, it didn't matter. It didn't matter because at the end of the day, one of the things that I didn't like that they taught in conservatories and programs were like, well, he's a first year, he's a second year, he's a third year, so he gets the solo. He gets, And I was like, no one gives a fuck if you're a third year, a second right. year, a freshman, a junior. If you're good enough for the job, you get the job in the real yes. world. No one gives yeah. a damn that you've been working so hard at this for four years and it's your senior year, so you deserve it, gosh darn it. It's like no right. one cares. Because I've seen freshmen come in that are super talented who don't get a solo because they have to wait their turn. I was like, that's not the real world. And that's what I learned because when I went to AMDA for like a quick semester, I realized, wait a minute, I already learned all this at the conservatory that I was at. I mm. literally was being asked to go up on stage to be the example. And I was like, I don't want to be an example. I'm not paying you money. And I'm, I was there on scholarships. So I wasn't really paying the money. But I was like, I don't want to waste my time here while I've already gotten trained. So while I was at school for AMDA for that one semester, we're not allowed to audition while you're there. You're never allowed to audition because you're not ready. You're not ready for the real world. Got and then it. I remember going through backstage and I found a musical that was going to be in Japan and I booked it. I booked the job and I moved oh to Japan God. for 13 months. Whoa. And then that's I awesome. had to go tell, yeah. Yeah. And I had to tell the Dean, like, I was like, I'm going to Japan. And they're like, you're not ready, Harvey. And I was like, but it looks like I'm ready. They think I'm ready. They're willing to put money down that I'm ready. And like, but right. you're not ready. We'll give you more scholarship. We'll give you more scholarship if you stay here and finish your year. Like, oh, I see what you're doing. You want me to stay here because you know I'll be working when I leave here. And once I leave here, you're going to put me in the brochures. <gasps> like the brochures that I saw that convinced me to come here because I saw all the people who were successful. It's, it's, it's a horrible chain. You know, it's like a horrible like circle. And like this is, oh, my God. And I figured it out. I felt like, you know, uh, a detective. I was like, I solved the mystery. I was like, you want me to continue to you know, feed this like propaganda of like how to get kids to continue to come to schools like this. Well, I'll, I'll say no to you, sir. And then I went to <laughs> Japan and I did a musical there for 13 months. And then I moved to Brooklyn and thinking now I'm really ready for Broadway. And I was just going to cattle calls. Like it was like 5 a.m. lineups in the snow Oof. to go and be heard for 20 seconds. Like you wait five mm -hmm. hours in line to go in there and sometimes go in there and be like, and then you just start singing and they're like, thank you. And then you're like, not the right look, not the right, whatever. And you're like, oh, oh man, it's a horrible yeah. experience. But it also was the determination that I had. And then while I was there, my agent in LA that I got while I was in high school that hadn't really done anything for the couple of years that I was, uh, you know, in school was like, hey, there's this role. I want to submit you for it. I don't know why he sounds like a 1920s uh, agent, but <laughs> <laughs> hey, kid. 
dust off your tap shoes and come back to Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> extra, extra, we all about it. Hobby comes back to Los Angeles. Um, and then I was just like, okay, cool. And then I got it. And then he's like, well, come back to LA. And he was just shoot this. And I was like, I really don't want to do TV and film. Like, I'm I'm trying to do stage. I want to be a real thespian. They're like, here's what they pay for a week. You know, I've always said TV and film is something <laughs> I got to give a try. <laughs> and if I don't do it now, I'll regret it. And then, That's you know, because right. I'm like low on rent. I'm living in Brooklyn. I was like, yep. And I realized that TV pays more than what they, you know, you make on one week on a set, what you make on Broadway in, in a month you know we're yeah. doing eight shows a week and i was just like it's so yeah. unfair i always said the hardest working people are like stage people and they're the ones who are paid the least because it just you know it doesn't it doesn't make the money that tv and film does you know yeah. it's just like you can only have a, a certain amount of seats that you can sell for each showing and now with the current state of the world it's like that's going to be even less seats yeah. so i can't really imagine what a price for a broadway show will be in the future only yeah. only the riches of the rich will be able to go see mary Poppins. <laughs> <laughs> seriously i know we don't even have to go down the road of like what's happening with live shows and stuff and you know hopefully there will just be you know when there's a vaccine i mean it's going to take a little bit of time but it's sometimes i catastrophize and in yeah. my mind i'm like well this is the end of everything it's like no that's <laughs> yeah there's there you know but it's a big question mark yeah it'll happen i just feel like i feel bad for those performers because you know yeah. it's one thing to start slowly going to tv and film like you know, we're slowly starting to go into it in LA carefully. And like, there's like a whole protocol that you have to follow. Um, right. But what is going to be, you know, what's happening for theater people, because not all the shows will go up, you know, again. And, and I feel they already make, you know, the least that it is out of the wages yeah. for like, in the most expensive and like, city, and you live in New York, the most yeah. expensive city where like, I've had so many friends who do Broadway shows and they've been continuously working. Like they've been in company, um, you know, like just con like as dancers and whatnot and working nonstop for like, you know, five, six years. And they, they share an apartment with five other dancers, you know, it's like, yeah. so you're barely making the money, not even saving. Like you're just to live, like you're, you're living your dream in New York yeah. to make money enough to just stay living in New York to make your dream co come true and continue to come true. Oh, oh, it's time for a quick break. I will be back after a word from our friends at Maximum Fun. You never know who you'll run into in Fairhaven, the city under the bubble. Allison Becker. Eliza Skinner. Keith Powell. Mucus-drenched imp monsters. Rob Corddry. Christelle Alonzo. Judy Greer. Grotesquely possessive carnivorous plants. Justin McElroy. Travis McElroy. Griffin McElroy. Terrifying, malevolent, sentient beards. John Hodgman. Paul F. Tompkins. Lisa Loeb. Bubble, the sci-fi comedy from MaximumFun.org. Just open your podcast app and search for Bubble. I don't want to keep you yeah. forever. And I want to get into this MASH game that I play at the end of my episodes. Um, have you ever played MASH? It okay. stands for Mansion, Apartment, Shack, and House. And it's like this very, very childish game where you don't really need to know anything other than that I'm going to ask you a series of like categories and you're just going to give me your dream answers for, you're going to be three answers for each category. And then I'm going to do some, uh, what cannot even be called math. It's so basic. Um, and I'm going to give you your like, your 100% guaranteed fictitious alternate universe future. So okay. I don't know if that sounds familiar at all, but it doesn't need to. Um, basically, okay, so <laughs> here, let me, I'll just jump in. I feel like I remember it, but like it's been years, but like, okay, here we go. Yeah, I, I'll tell you what, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to be happy with this. Okay. So for example, I'm going to try to okay. kind of do some of the categories will be just like expressly for you based on our conversation, such as, I'm going to ask you for three musicals that we are giving you the opportunity to do. And by the way, you can do as many or as few shows as you want. You can be like, you know what? I did six and then I was over it. Um, so so okay. any any Broadway um, show like ro like that you would want to be in, you can tell me the role. Or if you just know you would want to do the show, you don't even care you know, who you would be. But um, three. Uh, I would say Hamilton, Hairspray, and... Probably, I wanted to be in Wicked because it looks so magical. Great. 
Uh, next category, let's do three places in the world, even if you have never been there, just what you expect them or hope them to be, that you would love to have a dream vacation, like a getaway, like a getaway home. Ooh, okay. The Maldives, mm. uh, uh, Thailand. Well, PP Island. I'm going to go to PP Island, Thailand, or Fifi Island. I'm probably saying that wrong. And to say Belgium. Great, great. Okay. Three foods that in this reality are either, you know, like they you're allergic to them or you feel like they're ecologically irresponsible or you want to eat as much as you want, but then you start to feel sick because there's too much sugar, like for me. Um, in this alternate universe we're creating, you can have whatever this is at the snap of your fingers for in perpetuity and you never, there's zero ramifications. Okay. Well, I love shellfish like shrimp and lobster and stuff so I guess shellfish and then I'm also allergic to would it be the worst if I love shellfish and I was also allergic to it oh god you know people Um, are walking around in those lives right now oh yeah um I I am allergic to lamb though um so maybe I should throw that in there because not that I would want to eat lamb but see, in this alternate universe, you're not even killing a lamb. It's just like it's lamb without the little lamb having okay. to die. So you're good. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Um, and then the third one. I guess we could just eat people yeah. and <laughs> no one was getting hurt. <laughs> I guess if it's not bad. Um, oh, God. no. Um, let's see. Mm, trying to think. An alternative universe. Maybe Bugs. Because I've never eaten a bug, and I'm sure I have. I mean, everyone says you, when you sleep, you probably eat a bug. But, like, you know, people make whole diets out of, like, eating um, insects. So, yeah. I, I love insects. that you added bugs into this mix. I'm fascinated, and I love it. Um, okay. Next <laughs> category. This is... <laughs> This goes so stupid. This is I'm very I'm very inspired by the idea of number one, you solving the mystery of the brochures at your conservatory, and number two, not being able to solve the STD mystery, or maybe you did solve the STD mystery in, in Chico. So I'm gonna make you in this third category into a detective, and I want you to list three either super mundane mysteries that you solve, or like like big juicy ones. It could be any combination okay uh maybe the first one is the mystery of the chewing gum on the sidewalk right <laughs> like you never see anyone spitting out chewing gum why are there a million pieces of chewing gum squished into the yeah. sidewalk i love it <laughs> and i go insane trying to figure it out and as soon as i figured out one of them it leads to another one. that's great um that's a good one um and then the <laughs> Uh, the mystery of the missing taxes where like every year people (laughs) lose money. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I like that one. That one goes deep. Um, And then the mystery I mean, they all be mundane or there's some of them to be real. Absolutely. Whatever you want. Um, Then I probably say I'm always been fascinated with like old-timey mystery so like titanic or like the black dahlia maybe the mystery i solved the black dahlia yes i would love for you to solve the black dahlia great okay (laughs) we would all love that journey oh god i would i mean listen i would love the chewing gum journey that also feels very important to mankind and womankind and humankind (laughs) but um okay next category let's do three alternate universe careers and we're taking out anything that would be unpleasant about it so for example if you want to be an astronaut in this alternate reality you don't ever get car sick or rocket ship sick or anything oh okay yeah so definitely definitely astronaut um deep sea explorer Great. Um, and like, I want to something like in government because then it's like you help people, but also like without like, there's so much drama in politics though. Like it'd be yeah. like a headache. Um, well, politics, why not? Yeah, because in this reality, there are no, yeah, there's no, there's no headaches. It's a headache free world. Uh, okay. Next category. Uh, president. Th- that's, <laughs> that's right. It's going to be great. Um, 
Uh, okay, next category. This is uh, in the mash game. We always have a romance category. So three people. It could be someone you know from in the Black Dahlia days. Uh, it could be a character from a book or a movie. So just three like romantic partners that you would want to have in this alternate universe. I would say hmm, maybe like a character from To Kill a Mockingbird. It would be like Scout or like Atticus. Adorable, and I yeah. love everything I'm hearing. <laughs> And another character, um, Jay Gatsby from The Great Gatsby. He's a complicated guy. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like there's more that we don't know. Like, there's just more that we were like, you know, we just left him there. Like, it was like, I no, agree. there's more to him. How did he get that? I absolutely um, agree. And then I, the third one, hmm, I'm trying to think. And it could be, it's all like, it could be fictional, like literature, <laughs> or like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter anything. I mean, I I like to live in the world of like the cat in the hat. <laughs> oh, that's great. I want to be the cat in Fantastic. Yeah, one Suzical world where like things look the way they do and Okay, beautiful. Uh next category is uh let's do let's do superpowers because you also mentioned that you have a long time dream of flying. So maybe we'll give you the option of flying without any equipment uh or like other superpowers that would be fun to have. Flying for sure. Right. Freezing time would be cool. Like, you know. Yes. Stopping time. And I want to say like it's a toss up between like morphing into something or being invisible. So special powers like that, like body forms. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think shapeshifter. Yeah. I guess that's morphing. Let's put shapeshifter. shapeshifter. I think that's that's what it that's yeah. wonderful because you could basically be invisible. You could make yourself into a tiny bug and you would yeah. basically be invisible still. Yeah. And you could see everything. Okay. Shapeshifter. Love it. Okay. And then final category. Let's do three directors or um, like it, not necessarily directors. It, it, it can be, but it's like three ways that you would like to see your, like your life filtered through the style of like a certain director or a certain composer or a certain cinematographer. You know what I mean? Like the style of something you get to see your, you get to live your life for a week, like in the style of blank. Does that make sense? Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, I would say Steven Spielberg. Great. And I think one would be like Sofia Coppola. Oh, great. Indeed. And um, it was a toss up between like the idea of like how beautiful like Lord of the Rings looks and like um, I'd probably go. I mean, he also directed Heavenly Creatures, one of my favorite movies. Oh, my God. You are the only other person for whom Heavenly Creatures is one of their favorite movies. It is definitely one of my top favorite movies of all time. Yeah, right. I feel like it doesn't get like enough love that it should. It's like, and it's like, oh, it's, it's scary because so it's based on true events, and it's like, yeah. what? And it also so like, good. you know, launched it Winslet and Melanie Linsky, and yeah. so I was obsessed with them. And and they were like, you know, young actors, so I could like aspire. I was like, oh wow, they're like really good young actors. I could be, I could do that. I could do that. You know, it's like it was inspirational. Totally. Uh, absolutely um, i when i for, uh, i've become friends with melanie yeah. but like when i first met her i was like keep it together keep it together keep it together keep it together <laughs> like i was oh, so into that movie I, I think if i yeah like I, that's one of, the, one of the like few people that i feel like i would be so like i i, I love her i think that she's amazing and everything she does but <sighs> that movie was yeah. so i mean yeah let's pick peter jackson i think we got it <laughs> i love it no i think that's absolutely fabulous what a great choice okay uh pick a number between one and five three Okay, I am going to use my this magical three number three to uh, uh, isolate which thing out of which category you're actually going to get. Um, while I okay. do that, could you please tell people about the thing that we are celebrating the very most right now, which is uh, the premiere of the uh, most recent season of What We Do in the Shadows, a most beloved show. Um, and my, one of my favorite moments in the podcast was when you said that you had delusions of grandeur, because I just thought to myself, so many people love you and love that show. The idea that you're humble enough to talk about having delusions of grandeur and then end up on a show like that is very adorable and wonderful. Uh, <laughs> just wanted to point that out. Um, so yeah. So can you just tell people what they need to know and anything else you're in or that they should check out? Oh yeah. Um, so what we do in the shadows is, uh, we just, uh, had our season two finale with a great cliffhanger uh, with Guillermo de la Cruz, um, 
uh, basically coming forth, uh, saying his full name for the first time in front of the vampires, who he's been protecting for the whole season. As we learned at the end of season one, he is a descendant of uh, Senator Van Helsing, uh, the most famous vampire killer in history. And uh, the show's been amazing. We work with such creative people. It's based off the film by Taika Waititi and Jermaine Clement and uh, has been a, a great ride so far. It's just a, a group of vampires living together in Staten Island um, with their human familiar, played by yours truly, and just everyday life with vampires who have been you know, alive for hundreds and hundreds of years. <laughs> and it's just so ridiculous and like, the, the things they get into, it's like, you know, Stephanie Robinson, one of our executive producers and writers, she's always saying, we're, we're making a cartoon, guys, because like yeah. the, the scenarios of like, you know, a vamp, uh, you know, last season with my favorite uh, moment is where like the the Baron takes a bite of pizza pie for the first time and, you know, <laughs> vampires can eat mortal food and just vomits profusely like a, <laughs> like a balloon that's air has been, you know, released from it. It's just <laughs> ridiculous. And I love it. I love that, like, we get to live in that world. It's like yes. anything that's ridiculous is actually a possibility. <laughs> I love that, too. I absolutely love that, too. Okay, beautiful. Um, And I have your results. I'm very excited about this because this is wackadoo as all hell. Um, this I There's just a lot of really exciting different stuff going on here uh okay so where do I want to start I want to start with the fact that you ended up with a beautiful little chic apartment in Belgium um where you can get away whenever you want I don't know how you're gonna get there on various occasions but I want you to rest assured that as a shapeshifter you can basically do anything which I think this is very smart because as a shapeshifter, you can also turn into a bird that flies. So you can also like you or a bug for that right. matter. You can fl- so you basically got being able to fly in addition to you know basically being able to make yourself for all intents and purposes invisible. So you can shapeshift all the way to your little apartment in Belgium. Um, I am intrigued by the fact that you also have a diet of bugs. Uh, that is. <laughs> Which might go in handy when I'm a bird. Exactly. You're like, oh, listen, I'm I'm very familiar with eating insects. It's no big deal. Um, <laughs> I love that. Uh, I feel like this also somehow all of this stuff makes sense that you can sort of be in this uh, your romantic life of being the cat in the hat. <laughs> I guess you've shape shifted into being the cat in the hat. Um I also love that this somehow the idea that you could have this alternate um, career of being in politics while also having a diet of bugs is very satisfying to me. Um, You know, the shape-shifting bug-eating president. Yeah, guys, it's cool. It's like only slightly, only slightly more absurd than our current reality. So I believe it. Um, Only slightly. (laughs) Only slightly. I love that you get to be in Wicked and get to perform and enjoy that magical musical and world. Um, And I also love the final two things, which are, and this is how I want this to work. I feel like through the lens of Peter Jackson's style is how we will get to see you solve the mystery of the Black Dahlia because I would love for your life solving that mystery to have the tinge of Peter Jackson to it. That is perfect. That is, I want to watch that. (laughs) I know, right? So that, my dear friend, is your MASH outcome. Um, The only thing I do sometimes that's that's the very end of this, which is like less than a minute long, is that um, typically I only interview boys during the summer and it is technically the summer. So uh, if you would like, I invite you, if you know it, to sing a snippet of Don Henley's Boys of Summer. Uh, or any other snippet of a song that like you sort of associate with summer in some way. And if you can't think of one, then just any snippet of a song that comes into your mind. <laughs> I mean, when you were talking about that, it was like two totally opposite spectrum. Like, it was like, uh, it was like cool for the summer, that song that was playing by uh, Demi Lovato a couple years ago, but also oh, at yeah. the same time in my head, weirdly enough, it was like, summertime and the living is easy that one and Beautiful. I was like in my head at the same time but there was like a mashup of like 
Cool for the summer. Dun, 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 summertime. Which, let's face it, like, I can imagine that. I can definitely imagine a good, like, remix that is both if, of those songs. So right, I think you've just cracked club, that wide open. It's a club in Belgium. That's it's a club right. in Belgium that That's we haven't right. been to. That's right. That's exactly right. Well, Harvey, thank you so much for doing the podcast. This has been such a pleasure. I'm so glad that uh, it worked out. And I definitely will tell everyone, if you have not had the chance to see what we do in the shadows, you're missing out big time. Do yourself a favor. Get caught up or, or, or stay caught up if you're already watching it and are a fan. And by the way, if you do uh, belong to the Academy, if you don't vote uh, in, in, for Emmys for that show, you're insane. So uh, we'll throw that in there for anybody who's in the Hollywood side of things. Um, all right. Hollywood baby. Hollywood baby. Karate <laughs> Kid so too. It was so My good. Pleasure. Good talking to you. Not in person, but at least through voice. I know. Hopefully we'll get to play together in person sometime soon. Yeah, hopefully soon. So let's make it happen in Belgium, baby. It's going to be in Belgium <laughs> at, uh, at that fabulous club summertime. With our favorite song playing in the background. Cool for the summer. <clears throat> summertime. <laughs> <laughs> I hear it. I hear it. Uh, All right, everybody. Talk to you next time on the podcast. The show is recorded by me and edited by Julian Burrell. And as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned Audience supported